Twas the month of December, and throughout every store, every sign, window, shelf, and display shouted more. More gifts for the kids and more gifts for the spouse. More gifts filling up every room in the house. My wife rolled her eyes, and I'm sure mine rolled too, as we walked past the mountains of iPads and Wii U's. But what if more isn't as bad as we thought? What if more isn't just about the things we bought? I say three cheers for more. More sharing, more hugs, more kindness to strangers, more joy, less humbug. Because the status quo is boring and it needs a big shift. Let's make this the year of 100,000 gifts. Well, good morning. Welcome all of you. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us uh, right now from one of our campuses or online, the internet. We're glad that you guys are along also. Just wanted to remind you again of our Christmas Eve services. Uh, I don't know how many we have, including all the campuses, probably 30 or 40 or 50, I don't know. Uh, I'm doing eight. I do know that, so I'm getting in shape for it. Uh, but uh, um, it's a great time to, to bring somebody, invite somebody, uh, bring a friend, bring somebody you don't like. They might get saved. It would be good. Okay. <laughs> Our hearts have been crushed this week as we have watched... Uh, television of what's gone on uh, in Connecticut. Um, I, I sat down yesterday and wrote a few thoughts, posted them on Facebook. Let me just read them to you. Times like these remind us of the reality that we live in. Evil exists. Heartache hides in the dark corners of life and innocence sometimes loses. We need a savior. We long for a better day <clears throat> when love prevails not just occasionally, but always. And until then, we'll do our part to love and to hope, to offer kindness, to expose darkness with light, and to pray for that better day. And when we pray, we pray, may your kingdom come, and may it come quickly. Would you stand together? And I'd like to, as churches all over the world <clears throat> today are praying, I want to take just a moment to kind of center our thoughts and focus our thoughts and cry out to our Savior. Lord, I thank you today that you care for us, that you sent Jesus Christ as a Savior and as a foretaste of what is to come. And we long for that day. We long for the day when evil is eradicated, when love prevails always. God, our hearts are broken. Uh, we have a lot of questions. Mainly, we just want to pray for those uh, parents and family members who are grieving uh, loved ones lost today. Somehow from this place in South Carolina, can your love go out to Connecticut? And may churches embrace all around that area and do what, what you can do best, and that's love people um, through other people. Uh, we just ask that your peace would settle in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's, let you, you can be seated. We have been in contact up there, and I'll tell you about that a little bit later in the message. What I want to do at this point is uh, we're in a Christmas series, and we've uh, kind of laid out a lot of things. We've had a, great, had, had a great time. And what I would like to do is I'd just like to see how much you guys know about the Christmas story. This is kind of the... Um, kind of the mid-semester exam 
uh, we're going to kind of judge your biblical literacy, and we'll be looking at memberships as a result of this. <laughs> and so what I would like to do is I want to give you a quiz, okay, a Christmas quiz, and, and here it is. It's just several questions with true and false, okay? Are you ready for this? Here's the first one. The angel Gabriel told Mary that she would have a son. Is that true or false? Okay, it, yeah. Yeah, it's true. Good. Um, it was kind of a gimme. Uh, an angel told Joseph to name the baby Jesus. True or false? That's true. That's true. Okay. God spoke to Joseph through dreams four different times. True or false? That's true. In Matthew 1, you can read about it. Um, here we go. Mary rode a donkey to Bethlehem. Oh, not so much. Uh, she might have. She might have. We don't know. Now, the Christmas cards say that she did, but the Bible doesn't say anything about it. Okay? All right. <clears throat> Jesus was born on de December 25th. False. That's right. And uh, what difference does it make? We celebrate it. It's great. All right? Baby Jesus never cried, even when he was awakened by noisy barn animals. True or false? That's false. We all know that. In fact, if we've had babies, we know that. In fact, the Pope told us this year that there weren't even noisy barn animals. Did you see that? Do you guys read the newspaper or do anything like that? And I agree with the Pope. I don't think there were after having been there, Okay. All right, we're ruining Christmas for you. A gentle glow shone from the manger where baby Jesus lay. True or false? Now, Isaiah says he was pretty ordinary looking. There wasn't a glow. Again, Christmas cards, whatever. Um, after announcing Jesus' birth to the shepherds, the angels sang glory to God in the highest. Oh, they didn't sing. They, it says they, they might have, but it says they said. They said. <clears throat> Don't be booing the pastor. <laughs> All right, let's go on. This is Christmas. The shepherds followed a star to the stable. True or false? That's false. That was a wise man. The shepherds didn't follow a star. Huh? Come on. Remember the angels? Right after they sang, they said, you'll find him, what? In a stable, lying in a manger. So imagine the, sh the shepherds going in, going, uh, you know, stable to stable. Hey, is there a kid in here? No, that's the one down the street. Okay, that's, that was their deal. All right. The shepherds told others about Jesus. True or false? Come on. Yeah, true. Get, get, you know, be, be, if you're going to be wrong, at least be aggressive about it. A little drummer boy visited Jesus in the stable. False. There were no pa-rumpa-pum-pums that night. Okay, the wise men were kings from the east. Ah, they were astrologers and astronomers, kingmakers, dream interpreters, but we're not sure that they were kings. We don't know. All right, let's go on. The wise men rode camels. Careful. They might have, but we, it doesn't say. They probably did. That shouldn't be false. That should be probably because they rode a long ways. The names of the three wise men were Casper, Melchior, and Balasar. We don't know if there were three, 12, or 100, 
Now, tradition has those names in the Western church. In the Eastern church, they were three different names, so we don't know. The wise men followed the star from the east straight to Bethlehem. That was false. If they would have had the Google map program, they would have gone straight to Bethlehem. But unfortunately, they had the Apple Maps program, and it led them, <laughs> it led them to Jerusalem, uh, to this psycho king who was... Um, paranoid as a hobby, and when they said, uh, we came to look for a king, he thought, I'm the king, and so he, he had this strategy and this plot to send them to Bethlehem and then to report back. Uh, they didn't report back, and uh, then he tried to kill all the babies in Bethlehem um, in order to, uh, you know, thwart what was going on. The wise men arrived at the stable after the shepherds had left. True or false? Huh? Let's try that again. Really strong there. The wise men arrived at the stable after the shepherds had left. Nope, it's false. Um, They did come after the shepherds, all right, Uh, but they didn't come to the stable. It says they entered the house. Why the house? Because they came anywhere from 41 days to two years after Jesus was born and they were no longer in a stable, they were in a house, okay? This will help you sometime. Uh, The wise men brought Jesus gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That's true. How much do you think that was worth? Yeah, millions, somebody said. I I think probably so. If you you take the price of gold today at $1,600 an ounce, They probably didn't come a 1,000 miles, probably on camels, um, with a big crew to bring them one ounce. In fact, they brought a gift worthy of a king, which uh, researchers say that that would generally be an 8 by 8 box of gold, which would weigh about 50 pounds. And you do the math, in today's money, it would be over a million dollars. And that's just the gold. So it was a very pricey gift, okay? Uh, Mary and Joseph... And Jesus fled to Egypt until it was safe to return because of Herod. Is that true or false? How did they afford it? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Okay. And what's interesting is that the wise men didn't even know it, but God used them and set them up to finance the next part of the journey that they didn't even know about. They just responded to God, which is interesting. The main reason Jesus was born was to teach us to be nice to each other. No, he was born to save us from our sin, okay? All right, good. Give yourself a hand. That was was pretty good. So here's my question about the wise men. Uh, What, it was a generous gift, probably generous, probably generous. It's hard to know unless you knew their hearts and how much was left because generosity isn't measured by how much you give, it's how much is, is left. You follow what I'm saying? But I think it was probably a generous gift. What motivated them to give generously to the king? Could have been a lot of things. Could have been strategic alliances. It could have been just wise politics. But I've known a lot of generous people over the years, many of them uh, here today and this weekend. And there's a common denominator in generosity that I see, and it's this. It's kindness. Kindness. Kindness and generosity seem to go together. Now, I thought about it this week, and I think it's entirely possible that you can be generous without being kind, okay? 
Um, let's say that your accountant talks to you in December and says, uh, you know, you own a business or maybe you made a significant amount of money this year and the accountant says, you need to give this much away and suggest several places that you can give it. It's a better tax situation for you. And I would suppose you could be generous in that case without necessarily being kind. But I, I do believe this. I do believe that you cannot be kind without being generous. Would you agree with me? You cannot be kind without being generous. Well, we've, uh, we've been in this series called 100,000 Gifts. It's been kind of fun. The first week we kind of laid out the series talking about um, the story of, uh, of Ruth and Boaz and Naomi and how that uh, kindness was defined there as the uh, Hebrew word hesed, H-E-S-E-D, hesed, say it together, hesed, which means literally above and beyond kindness. It's kindness that goes the next step, the next mile above and beyond. And so I challenged you to... to this Christmas season, go above and beyond. You guys have been incredible. What we did is we said, why don't you do acts of kindness for people? Why don't you pray in the morning and just ask God, what, what, what can I do? And then we gave out cards. Remember the cards, the little red cards that say 100,000 gifts on one side? The other side, this is a simple way to say God loves you. These are all over the communities that we live in. And uh, you guys have been doing acts of kindness. We asked you to record them uh, on a website called 100K Gifts. Uh, dot com. You've done that. We gave you candy bars and little wrappers to remember what you're doing. And what I thought I would do today is we're going to take a look at the story of the wise men, but we're also going to kind of review the series so far and what we're learning about generosity. Because I think this has been perhaps the most significant series we've ever done in, uh, in our church as far as the response. The response has been absolutely overwhelming. Well, let me, give you, let me give you some things that I think we've learned. And here's the first one. It's fun to be generous. Would you agree with that? It's fun to be generous. I mean, I hear it over and over. In fact, I just went on the Internet, picked up a few tweets that put hashtag uh, 100, 100 gifts, 100K gifts um, hashtags. And uh, somebody said this. They said they paid for a person's lunch behind me uh, in the drive-thru. I was blessed to see their smile in my mirror. Can you just get a picture of that? It, this one said, paid for coffee for the car behind me. Felt so good, I went to a gas station and paid for someone's gas. <laughs> Think about that. That's crazy. That's good. That's generous. Somebody else said, 100, 100K gifts is awesome. I'm having so much fun. Um, some pictures I saw on, on Instagram and Facebook. Um, this one, they, they said, we're blessing the male person. Put a picture of that. And uh, this is to our awesome male lady. I hope we do that every year, but somehow I think we were stimulated this year just by uh, thinking about kindness. Uh, somebody else, uh, this school teacher's workroom is getting blessed today. And so here's a picture of the school Actually, it's a picture of me. But here's a picture of a school teacher's workroom. Somebody brought in the little cards and put them in, which I think is kind of cool. And then uh, this one, this was my favorite one. Found the car that looked most, quote, in need in the parking lot at Walmart. Enjoy, friend. And then they posted this. And it, uh, they put a little God bless you, Merry Christmas, and a Walmart card on, on the car. Now, some of you are thinking that's a little judgmental. Others of you are thinking, I wish that was my car. How many of you are thinking that? I wish that, I hope somebody goes out into the parking lot during the service right now and put it on my car, right? That's, that's what you're thinking. Because it's fun to be generous. Jesus said it this way. 
Paul's quoting him in Acts chapter 20. He says, you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus who said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, we've all heard that, but kind of in small ways, just in little things that we've done, we've experienced it. It's more fun to give than it is to receive. I love some of your families, that you're getting your families involved in this. So it's fun to be generous, first thing. Second thing that I think we've learned is that generosity has its rewards. Generosity has its rewards. Let me tell you a story. Guy in our church uh, went to get his car fixed um, a week ago, and he went to Gerald's Tires. It's kind of a, you know, they've got several sites here in in the Charleston area because he had to get his tires fixed. And while he was in there, there was a lady that came in with her car, and and, um, she seemed to be a single mother, he said. And um, she had them look at one of her tires, and they're real good about if you don't need work done, they'll tell you you don't need work done, and they'll do it for free just to pump it up. And took a look at her tire, and it, the uh, uh, sidewalls were cracked, and you can't, really can't do anything about that. And they said, uh, you need a new tire. And she said, I can't really afford one. And so they were going to go ahead and put extra air in the tire and send her on her way. And the guy from our church is sitting there. He overhears this conversation. And so he quickly gets a catalog in there of what tires cost, you know. And he saw that tires cost anywhere from $50 to, you know, $250, something like that. And so he gets a hunch from the Lord, a leading from the Lord to buy her a tire. And so he goes up to the counter and tells the person at the counter, he says, "Um, I'd like to I overheard it, I'll be real quiet about it. I'd like to buy her the tire, and I'd like you to give her just one of these cards and don't tell her who I, I was and tell her Merry Christmas. And then he said, by the way, how much do tires cost? And he saw that her car was an old beater, and he's thinking 50 bucks, 50 bucks, 50 bucks. He's praying 50 bucks, 50 bucks. <laughs> and I think the price was $189. And he said, you know, there's a difference between 50 and 189 but he said, okay, I'll do it. And so, and so um, they went ahead and they fixed her tires. He sat down, waited for his car, and she got up to the front, and they, they sent her on her way, and she was just shocked, just absolutely shocked. And then it came his time to go up. His car was done, and so he went to the counter, and, and uh, he said, how much, how much do I owe for her and for mine? And they said, uh, nothing, it's paid for. He said, nothing? And they said, yeah, it's, it's on us. It's paid for. And he said, you can't do that. You're robbing me of a blessing. <laughs> and listen to this. And so the person at the counter said, no, we doubled your blessing. We doubled your blessing. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? And that's why I mentioned their business name and in praying that God will double their blessing during this holiday season. There are rewards. In fact, many of us found ourselves over the last couple of weeks as the recipient of our own generosity. We didn't plan it that way. We didn't, you know, try to be generous so that we could get, you know, so that something would come back our direction. In fact, once we started being generous, it became addicting and kind of fun. You'd go in, who am I going to be generous to today? But we found ourselves in situations like I did. I knew what I was going to preach about, and so even before I started the series a couple of nights before the series. I went out to eat, my wife and I, and we had uh, one of these cards, and I, I, I uh, uh, paid for somebody's meal, 
and then I double tipped, or actually 50% tipped to the, to the waiter, and did the card, and it just felt good. It was like, that was kind of fun. The next day, or the Sunday when we started, Saturday night, I guess, when we started this, I went out to eat and took some of my family, and we can put a hurting on a restaurant, you know, and we got up to, uh, to leave and uh, to go pay the bill, and the waiter brings me one of these cards and says, uh, have a Merry Christmas. And I'm not saying this because I want you to pay for my meal, because that's not the deal. We're supposed to be nice to other people, not Greg. Or you can be nice to Greg, but not that way. You know, you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. It's not self-serving. But the point of the deal was this. I went, wow. I mean, I just, I didn't do that to be blessed, but I was tangibly blessed. Now, it wasn't always, it hasn't always been that immediate, and sometimes doesn't happen, and that's okay, but it's been the rule rather than the exception that generosity has its rewards. In fact, the scriptures say this in Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 25. I'd like you to read this out loud. Here uh, at the uh, campuses, uh, on the internet, unless you're in a library that's open on the weekend, uh, read it out loud, will you? Let's read it strongly. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. It's definite. It doesn't say they might prosper or they could prosper. It says the generous will prosper because those that refresh others will themselves be refreshed. That's a principle of generosity. In fact, in uh, First Corinth or Second Corinthians chapter eight, um, it talks about giving, being generous. Um, like sowing seed, like, like a farmer sowing a seed. In this passage, pa- Paul is specifically talking to a church, a group of, of church people. And uh, it's a fairly prosperous church, and there's a church that's not doing as well. And he's asked them for an offering. He said, would you give? And they agreed to give a few months before. And now he's telling them to follow up on it. And when he talks to them about their generosity, he says this says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Makes sense, but we're not an agrarian society. I thought I'd do a little lesson on that. Uh, um, we pastored in a farming community. My mother uh, loved uh, plants, and my wife does too. I can't grow anything. That's why this is just an illustration. But... Um, you know, he says, he says this, he says, when you're generous, when you, when you give, it's like planting seeds. And he said, if you, if you plant sparingly, let's just, do, let's just do three seeds here. And guess what? This one is a cracked seed. Here's what I know about if I just planted a few, I'm only going to get a few, a, a little bit of a return. I'm going to get a bigger return than what I planted, right? Because you plant one and you get multiple things that, that, that are fruit as a result of it. But if you only plant three, how many plants will you get if you plant three seeds? Maybe. Maybe. The most you'll get is three. You might get one or two. You may get none. Why? Because not every seed germinates. You know, birds come, insects, all that kind of thing. You plant sparingly. You may or may not. And the principle is, you know, you go, well, I... You know, I've been giving her, being generous or whatever, and nobody ever, you know, it never comes back. Maybe we're not being, planting enough seed. Maybe we're not being generous enough. You understand what I'm saying? If you plant a lot, then what will you get? He says you will reap, you will, you will reap plentiful. And, and, and he, he says that you'll get a generous crop. Then he says, as he goes on, 
He says, you must decide in your heart. It's an individual thing about how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Have you ever been in, in a situation that's high pressure? I don't, when I go buy a car, I won't go to a dealership that's high pressure. When I go to church, I don't want to go to a church that's high pressure. Because I don't want to, I don't want to give reluctantly. And he says this. He says, I don't give Reluctantly, you said, "Don't." He says, "Don't do that. Don't give in response to pressure." It says, "For God loves a person who gives cheerfully." Somebody, preacher I know, says, "God loves a cheerful giver, but He accepteth from a grump." I don't know if that's true or not, but I know that that generosity is fun, right? And as you're more generous, then you give cheerfully. And He says, "And God loves that, and and God will give generously." And God will generously provide all you need. Either he will or he won't. Then you will always have everything that you need and plenty left over to share with others. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and bread to eat. He says, you know what? He's the one that actually provides the seed. You're, if you're generous, he gives you the seed to plant. And let's go on. I want to say something about that. He says, uh, and he will increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. He wants a harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. That's the goal. Not so you can get rich, so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those that need them, they will thank God. A couple of things. God is able to keep you resourced, and it's in his best interest to keep you resourced if you are generous. If you're stingy, why would he keep you resourced? If you're generous, God wants to bless everybody. He wants to bless the world. And if you are a generous person who blesses a lot of people, it's in his best interest to keep you resourced. The goal is to always be generous. And then I love this. At the end, he says, they will thank who? They will thank, not you, they will thank God. So when, when people see generosity, when you, when you uh, uh, give extra at the restaurant, when, when, when you... Uh, are generous with your resources, whatever you do, they go, you know what? They must serve an incredible God. God is incredible. And we want to make God famous, right? It's not us we want to make famous. It's God that we want to make famous. So he has, he has the ability. It's fun to be generous. Generosity will be rewarded. Let me give you one more. Our generosity should be lavish at times. It should be lavish. I mean, it's great you know, give a little extra tip. It's great to hold a door open. It's great to do all of those kind of things, and, and it's fun, and we should be doing them. But every once in a while, we ought to be lavish with our generosity. The wise men, I believe, were lavish with their gifts. We saw a video two weeks ago, if you were here. Remember the video of the couple that ran into two people on the street that they really didn't hardly know at all, went to church with them, uh, and... That couple ended up giving them a, um, a trampoline and $10,000. You remember that? Just, just incredible. And what it did is it paid off their debt so that they could adopt a child. And we were all moved. That was incredible. As you watch the story, some of us probably thought, it'd be nice to, you know, be able to just give $10,000 here and there. And that must really be a wealthy couple. Well, what's interesting is that we have a video from the other perspective, from the couple that gave. Let's take a look at this. You know how God sometimes speaks to you out of the blue and asks you to do something sort of random? Well, that's exactly how I felt one Sunday when I was asked to pick up a card with a name on it for a pastor appreciation gift. 
God just showed up and told me he wanted to do something special for this guy and somehow I would be involved. I didn't know what it was, but I knew it had to be something more than the $25 gift card I was thinking about. At that moment, I knew I was about to be pushed outside of my comfort zone. Boy, I had no idea. Two days later, I had this doctor appointment and my wife was with me. It ended early, and since we are rarely without any of our five kids, I said, hey, let's have some lunch together. We were still new to the area, so after lunch we decided to shop some and then head back to the car. As we turned around, there he was, this guy with his wife, the one who God had just told me days before that he wanted to do something for. And I'm thinking, I really don't know these people, but I know that God said something special was going to happen. So we talked about stuff at church where we had just heard Dave Ramsey speak. They talked about how they had been working for nine years to get out of their debt, but that they had $10,000 more to go, and it felt like this huge rock in their life. He said, as soon as we're out of debt, we want to adopt. But we promised our kids that they could have a trampoline first, and then we would adopt. So we said our goodbyes, and I was thinking, thank you, God. I get it. I know exactly what you want me to do. We got in the car and I was so excited. I said to my husband, I know what we need to do. Let's go buy them a trampoline. Uh, well, uh, why don't we just give them $10,000? What? Are you serious? Honey, we can't just give people money like that. Money changes things and does weird stuff to people. Why can't we give them money? People have done that for me and it was okay. Besides, we have it. Listen, all I know is that when I heard them speak, I heard God say in a very clear way, take away their debt. I had to think about it for a second. Giving away $10,000 had never crossed my mind. I really wrestled wondering what God wanted us to do. Here I am with five children. It wasn't like there was a lot of extra money sitting around, and my husband worked so hard for our family. But God revealed to me that though I had plans to make home improvements and invest in this literal earth, He wanted me to make an eternal investment for His kingdom. I knew then what we had to do and began to get anxious to follow God's call. So we called him up and said, hey, we want to come by and talk to you about something. We promise it will only take a minute. When we drove up, though, we could tell they weren't sure about what to think of us. Are we going to sell them something or what? So I just kind of blurted out, Lance, Amy, we don't really know how to say this, but we just want to give you $10,000. We told them that there are no strings attached, that God just wanted to bless them. Oh, and we also told them, don't act weird around us around church and don't tell anyone it was us. As I stood there, I'm thinking, wow, what a tremendous thrill and total joy, not just to be giving someone money, but to play a part and be included in the secret plans of the God of this universe. The giving part of the story was fun, but that was just the beginning. In less than a year, God led Lance and Amy to adopt a beautiful baby girl named Malaya. And because God wove Lance and Amy's life into ours, we welcomed our ninth child, 
Olivia Grace, born April 21, 2008, into our family. But this story, this just keeps getting better. And to think, I was thinking of a $25 gift card. Cool story. Occasionally, God calls us to give lavishly. Why? Because it tests our faith. It tests our faith. Can I hear God? Will he supply our needs? It determines ownership. Is it mine or is it his? You know, we, we kind of in, intuitively know that everything belongs to God. And he kind of lends it to us. But until he tests that, it tests ownership. I know uh, on at least two occasions in Debbie and I's life, we have emptied the bank account because God, we felt like God directed us to it. It was tough. It was hard. It was like, really, God? Yeah, really. But the blessing was incredible. And, and it also makes us more like God. That's the goal. Well, what is God like? Look at the next scripture, Ephesians chapter 1. God is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us. Some versions say he lavished. He showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. In other words, that God is so rich in kindness and grace. We were sinners. We were rebellious. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ, and he gave him to us. In all wisdom and understanding, he showered that. In other words, he knew what we were like. It's not like you got to get cleaned up in order to take a bath. How many of you know that? He knew exactly what we were like. And he lavishes us. He showers us with his blessings. I don't know about you. I grew up in a church where we used to sing this old hymn, Showers of Blessings. Anybody else sing that? There shall be showers. I won't sing it. Showers of Blessings. This is the promise of love. There shall be seasons refreshing, sent from the Savior above. Showers of blessings. Showers of blessings we need. Mercy drops around us are falling, but for the showers we plead. God showers us, lavishes us with blessings. God is so rich in kindness and grace. I want to be like God. See, that's what I want to be. I want to be rich. Now, I don't know if I'll ever be financially rich. At this point, there's not any relatives with lots of money with a foot in the grave. There's not even relatives with lots of money. There are some with foots in the grave, but it's not going to benefit much, okay? So I'll probably never be rich, but I want to be rich. That's my goal, to be rich in kindness and grace. Would you agree with me on that? Yeah, three of us did. It's great, but we're gonna, it's going to be good together. We're going we're to do good. All right, now, here's what we're going to do. Here's what, here's what this whole thing is about. We're going to be lavishly generous today. And some of you are going, oh, my goodness, it's going to be a high-pressure offering. No, 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 no. Relax. Because it's not necessarily you being lavishly generous. That's between you and God. Really up to you and God. It really is. But we, as a church, are going to, as a church family, we're going to do something crazy um, uh, lavishly rich in kindness and grace. A few weeks ago, when I was studying for this series, I felt like I had a prompting from God that wouldn't go away, that on this weekend, God was telling us that Seacoast Church was going to give the entire offering away. 
the entire, we're giving everything, everything away that comes in this weekend. Go ahead and get, that's kind of cool. That's kind of exciting. Now, let me tell you what we're going to do. Let me tell you what we're going to do. I also got a picture uh, in my mind uh, of, uh, I'll show you, this isn't my picture. They, they prettied it up. Mine was a lot better than this. It was written on a napkin. But um, it was kind of like showers of generosity, okay? These four buckets represent four major, like, areas over the last four years that we have made emphasis in, in what we call Hope Epidemic, which is our ministry to the world. And the first one was water. Do you remember a few years ago, um, there was a tsunami, and they needed water. We got involved with water missions, and you guys gave a lot of money to give water around the world. And we still do that, and we still put in water systems. And then the next year, we said, well, let's focus on education. And uh, we built a school in a war-torn area where they'd had civil war in Sri Lanka, which opened up some incredible relationships with our partners there and the local government. And we've done all kinds of of education related because education is hugely important. And then medical. We've been sending medical teams for years from Seacoast. We send, you know, as many as a dozen a year. In fact, there's medical teams right now uh, in, in a couple of, with a couple of our partners that we've sent out. And, uh, but we really focused um, a couple of years ago uh, on a medical clinic in Uganda and helped to build it. And then this year, uh, we, we uh, financed, for the most part, a uh, maternity uh, ward, a maternity center in this clinic in Uganda. And what we're excited about the clinic is that it's self-sustaining. It's not like you have to have American dollars to keep it going. American dollars build it, and then Ugandan people staff it, maintain it, and it pays for itself, which we're always looking for self-sustaining stuff. We've done all kind of medical. And then this year, uh, we're doing um, spiritual growth, church planting, because while water's important and education's important and medical is important, ultimately, you can have all of those and still lose your soul. And the, the church is the hope of the world. It has been. It still is. And so we're heavily involved in church planting. I don't know if I told you or if I can. I think I can. But I met with some of the leading pastors in China, and we are going to help through your resourcing to plant 5,000 churches in China. Uh, it's just, just incredible. It's incredible. That's only one tip. That's only one tip of what's going on. So what we thought, what if we gave our whole offering away today? And this picture shows showers coming. Here's our buckets. But if you know showers like this, our buckets will contain some, but most of the water will go to the ground that's around it. And the ground represents local partnerships. What we've done is we've asked every campus if they would identify local charities who are doing a good job, and what if... We could sneak up on them the week between now and Christmas and bless the living daylights out of them. Just bless their socks off with some stuff. That would be fun, don't you think? I mean, there's, there's ones in our community here. There's ones in all the communities. And um, I'll tell you a few things. Uh, uh, Habitat for Humanity was broken into, lost all of our tools. What if we just replaced them and more? Well, uh, there, oh, there's bunches of them around here. One of them that several of us, uh, that we actually started that's become its own nonprofit is a dream clinic. And they need um, a dental x-ray machine for $15,000. What if we just stroked the check and said, it's yours, you can have it. Um, in some of the, oh, there's tons of them, there's tons of them. Some of these, uh, water, uh, the earthquake in Haiti 
displaced so many people. Well, we went in and we found the poorest of the poor, which was a deaf community. Deaf community, poorest of the poor, poorest of the poor being taken advantage of. We partnered with three or four partners, uh, relocated them to a, a new area, uh, have built houses, built water systems, building a church. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal success story. And now uh, the next phase of water there is $100,000. What if we could just stroke them a check for $100,000? What if in the medical, I could go on and, am I excited about this? Can you tell? The, um, uh, in, uh, we built one in Uganda. Now we want to build one in Nicaragua, a, a self-sustaining medical deal, and it will cost $150,000. What if we could do that, or at least a portion of it? And you say, boy, those are big numbers. Well, you know what? For $50, we can pay for one child uh, for their uh, maternity care and for well care following that. Uh, in, in, in Uganda right now. We can do that. We can outfit a surgical center just, just with a few tools for $500. On and on. Let me see if I forgot anything. Oh, church planning. Let, let, me, let me say this. Um, we can put, where's that? We can put roofs on uh, uh, seven churches in uh, Togo for $7,000. Also, our uh, partners there who are church planners walk from village to village. For $1,700, we can buy motorcycles. What if we bought several motorcycles for them? We can, just incredible what we can do. There's, uh, oh, let, let, let's just say this. Disasters happen every once in a while. If you notice that, Sandy, the hurricane, you've asked, what are we doing for that? Well, we immediately gave large chunks of money to some of our partners who are really good at um, getting in right away, Franklin Graham's organization and another organization, uh, uh, Convoy of Hope. And uh, they're, they're on the ground right away, and we already gave them a lot of resources, hoping you guys would, ah, we just figured we'll do it anyway. And then uh, so, several of you have said, well, can we go up there and do something? So we asked our partners, and they said, we have waiting lists of 30,000 people to come up and help. Why don't you stay in the South and just give money? We can do that. We can do that. This shooting that happened, that's just, I'm, I'm telling you what, as a grandfather, this has devastated me probably more than anything that's happened in the last 10 or 15 years. Listen how God works. Um, the, the largest church in the area, and there aren't many large churches in the Northeast, largest church in the area a year ago contacted us and said, could we come down and learn how you guys do multi-site and how you guys do church? We said, sure. They came down. We helped them. We trained them. We have an ongoing relationship with them. Their pastor just happened to be um, the head of a global relief agency before he became pastor of that church. Well, they got in contact with us yesterday. They are six miles from the school, and they're going to head up a major part of the stuff there, and what we're going to do is just help them resource it. Isn't that great? Isn't it cool how God... God works uh, in, those, in those ways. Now, I'm hoping for the biggest offering we've ever had. Uh, and w some of you are saying, man, Seacoast must have a lot of extra money if we're willing to give away an entire offering, give away the whole thing. Well, not so much. Let me give you a real picture of how things work. We have 13 campuses plus an Internet campus. Each of those 13 campuses uh, pays rent for a building, utilities, copy machines, all this cleaning, all the stuff that it takes to make it go. Um, there are families that serve every one of those campuses, that serve full-time uh, training you and helping to do the work of the ministry. We have at Seacoast about 120 full-time equivalent 
employees, which is about one for every 100 people that attend on a weekend, 12,120. And, the, um, um, uh, and that's about an industry standard, to be honest with you. Each of those families depend on your giving your, every week in order to receive a paycheck to feed their, their family. On top of that, we have ongoing ministry to the poor and benevolence that we give out every week. Plus, we have missions commitments uh, to missionaries and, and missions organizations and the day-to-day operations. How do we pay for it all? Through your generous donations. It, it is so cool how God set up in the Old Testament a system called tithing that um, the people would bring their tithe to the local storehouse, which was like the local church, put it in offering boxes, and the, uh, it would pay for the families who did the ministry in the temple, and also it would pay for the poor for the uh, gifts of benevolence. And when they built buildings, they did it on top of that. They didn't do it through their tithes. They would give offerings in order to build buildings. We try to do a similar thing here. And you guys are so faithful, many of you are, to give every week so that that ministry can go out from this place. Now, sometimes people say, you know, I go to Seacoast, but it's a big church. Um, they're well-blessed. I'm not going to give my money, or I'm not going to give them my money. I'm going to go somewhere else with my money where they need it more because you guys have enough. Well, I thought about that. That would be like me taking my wife on a date night to Mickey D's. You're familiar with Mickey D's? It's a French restaurant called McDonald's. <laughs> so we go to McDonald's. We get, have a nice meal at McDonald's. I say, this was a wonderful meal. This is great. Well, you have long lines. It's incredible. What we're going to do is we're not going to give you our money. We're going to give it to Burger King where nobody goes down the, down, the, down the road. That makes a lot of sense. doesn't make any sense at all because it's not true. It's not true. And secondly, honestly, we're not real flush right now. <laughs> when I sat down with the executive, I had this idea, and I sat down with the executive team, said, here's what I want to do. I want to give an entire offering away during this series. That happened to be the week that the financial guy that's the head of all of that, Jack Hoy, uh, he made a little presentation that we're 10% below the estimated giving budget for the year. 10% below the estimated giving budget for the year. That affects everything that we do around here. We're not like the budget or the government, we can't have debt ceilings that we move all around like this and we print money and all that kind of stuff. We actually have to live within our means. And so what we do is, is we just cut back. And there are certain initiatives that we don't do. There are certain things that we go, that would be great. And we're fonts at the best. We want to start more campuses. We want to, we've got more vision than we have money. That's just always the case. And, and sometimes we have to cut back employees. You know, um, we haven't yet. May, may come to that. Who knows? But we, we live within our means. And giving away a week would be like in your business, giving away one week of your income and, and going ahead and operating uh, as if it wasn't there or one of your paychecks uh, in, in your household. So what I'm saying is it's not a good time for this. But it made me even more excited because I'm kind of psycho in that way. Because it's a, it's a test for us as a church. Will we do what God we think God is saying for us to do and be absolutely lavish in our generosity? Will we trust him to supply our needs? Will we say, let's go for it and trust him that he'll actually supply the seed, which is the regular stuff that we need to go? We're, we're going, okay, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. So I was excited. And the whole team was like, okay, you're crazy, but we'll do it. Let's go. And then this week I started to get nervous. You know, in just quiet times. And so I sat down with my most trusted advisor. Her name is Debbie. And I said, this sounds crazy. What do you think? And she said this. 
you know, you just can't outgive God. You just can't outgive God. We've proven that in our own life over the years. And so what I'm going to do today is I'm going to ask you to join me in a miracle of generosity. We're going to give it away. You know, if you want to give more than you usually do, that's okay. Save a little for next week, you know, for or the regular stuff. But <laughs> Just saying, just saying, okay. Did I mention we're behind in the budget just a little bit? Uh, it's okay, though. No, seriously, you give whatever God says for you to give. And, uh, and I'm not, and, and don't give under compulsion or because, you know, whatever. If God says in your heart, the only people I would talk to say definitely give. If you don't give anything, this would be a time to give something. Just give something. And I'll tell you a little bit how to do that in a minute. But I want to pray. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for these wonderful people and this, this, this awesome gift of generosity. We want to be rich like you, rich in kindness and grace. And God, I just pray that you would bless as we give. That this weekend, that going out from Seacoast would just be an amazement uh, in, the, in the people that we support, in the communities uh, of generosity. And then they'll look, not at Seacoast, but they'll look at God and say, he really is God, and give you thanks. And so, Lord, we just ask that your kingdom would come and your will would be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.